Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. Well, as people may have realized, we're dropping the episode early this week because it's a collaboration with our friends from Monster Fuzz. We're going to be talking about the slua with... Are you saying that correctly? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even know how to say it correctly. Oh, I thought it was like a Gaelic thing, is it not? I think it is. Oh, okay. They said they had to look up the pronunciation. (laughs) That is how I believe they taught me to say it, but okay. whether I'm saying it correctly. I'd also like you, to thank everybody who told me that I said none eaten, right? Yes, you got a lot of props. At least four people in different comments. I think one person emailed, one person left a comment on Patreon, and then I read other comments other places. So good job on your pronunciation of nunayan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. None eaten? Is that it? None eaten? I've already lost. <laughs> Home of the mighty Eyeless in Gaza. The band, not the Huxley novel. Don't forget, everybody, I will be at the Transcendent Paranormal Conference this Saturday, September 17th, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, at the Scranton Cultural Center. I recorded a little promo for that, so let me just go ahead and play that promo now. Wyoming Valley Ghost Tours presents Transcendent Paranormal Conference and Vendor Fair. Saturday, September 17th, 2022, at the Scranton Cultural Center, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Three floors of vendors. Presentations from Jason Halls, Sherry Benedetti, The Paranormal Couple, Eric Altman, and Timothy Renner. For more information, email info at wyomingvalleyghosttours.com or go to facebook.com slash wyomingvalleyghosttours. That's facebook.com slash Wyoming Valley Ghost Tours. You'll probably be taking a slew of things with you. Oh, nice. <laughs> Indeed, I will. Ah, oh, dropping the puns before I could get to them. <laughs> that I, one seemed obvious. It, it was, yeah, that's what I it mean. It was a gimme, really. I, sh- I should have been all over that pun, and I wasn't, and I, I feel like uh, I've slipped up. It is kind of a failure. Mm. Next week, our episode will be the first of a two-parter that I recorded with Brother Richard Super exciting, where we break down the Fatima apparitions. We're going to be on the Emerald Isle for like three more weeks. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's another Irish takeover of Strange Familiars. But our friend Brother Richard has a book that's coming out very soon. I'm very excited about that. I'm excited for him. Would you like to know the name of it? I believe it's called Still Points. It is. A Guide to Living the Mindful Meditative Way by Brother Richard. This book is available wherever you get books. I think it's available for pre-order. Yeah, I think he said it comes out in Ireland and the UK and stuff a little bit before it's available over here. Mm -hmm. But you can pre-order it. You can get it all the usual places. His preference was for independent bookstores, but it's also available on Amazon if that isn't an option. And he recorded an audiobook as well. Oh, he has a wonderful voice. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, so check out Brother Richard's book, Still Points, and... Stop back next week for the first part of our in-depth breakdown of the Fatima apparitions. All right, before we get to the Slua and the Monster Fuzz fellas, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you very much, patrons. Thank you for everything you do. Without your help, we couldn't do Strange Familiars. If you like what we do and you'd like to get extra content, you could become a patron as well at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different tiers of support there you can check out, but all of our patrons, no matter what tier they choose, get two full exclusive episodes of Strange Familiars every month. We're about to drop the 100th patron episode. At that point, there will be 100 patron episodes that you get as soon as you sign up as a patron. And then, like I said, we're adding two more every month. Go ahead and check it out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Robin Amon from Monster Fuzz about the Slua. If you don't already listen to Monster Fuzz and follow Monster Fuzz all the places, make sure to go ahead and give them a listen. Follow them wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out their other episodes. Follow them on Instagram. They got a lot going on over there at the Monster Fuzz. We love Monster Fuzz and we love doing shows with them. We'll put links to Monster Fuzz also in the show notes. Lads, we're back together once again. Finally. Finally. How's about that? How are you feeling, Tim? I've missed you guys. Yeah. (laughs) We missed you too, man. We missed you too. I was starting to get emotional, you know. I was waiting by the phone, hoping Tim would call. Uh, <laughs> and as luck would have it, here we are, we're all together again. But yeah, today we've got folklore to talk about. So we thought that, you know, it's a bit of folklore. Tim is the best lad to chat with about that it's stuff. It's Irish folklore. It's the Slua, lads. The Slua. Yeah. Just for people who who, who uh, aren't speaking the old Osqualia, uh S-L-U-A-G-H, and even we weren't sure how to pronounce it. Mm. That's the first thing yeah. I asked. Yeah. Very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard of the slew with him? I have not. This is no. good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll so, be honest, I hadn't heard of the slew until you sent me this either. Yeah, for shame. as well. We'll, we'll learn about the legend of the Slewa throughout this episode, but there's actually a bit of a rainstorm happening there mm. in Wexford at the minute, and it's beaten off the window, which is kind of something like the Slewa has been said to do at night time. So uh, it's very atmospheric here. Right that early place. Halloween for yourself. It's it's doing yeah. what to the window? It's not beating <laughs> off the window. It's beating off of the window, maybe. <laughs> but it could be down that too. Now let's hope it does rain to get rid of the stains there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... 
this one's a fun one and shouts out to one of our listeners Chelsea who got in touch and said you guys should you guys should check out the slew uh, and, and as soon as I looked at it I was like yeah this is a cool one mm. um, and again like it's funny uh, with the folklore and, and Tim you, we'd like to hear your opinion on this one as well it's like we don't hear much about Irish folklore like prior to doing Monster Fuzz we didn't really we weren't that familiar with many of the things it was like the Banshee mm. um, what else Simon really would you say the Banshee uh, obviously, yeah, obviously Pixies <coughs> Fairies yeah Leprechauns all that sort of stuff um, really like, so, yeah. <laughs> my, no, my impression from you know outside of Ireland is mm-hmm. that there is a very healthy very strong tradition of folklore there, there, this is what we want to get into yeah. in this episode. There, yeah, like, to like, be fair, there, there, if you if you actually search for the various different types of folklore, there's a huge. We'd all be like, that's kind of the, like, let's say the more cryptid aspect of the folklore in terms of Cúchulainn, Fionn McCool, uh, Maeve, and the the cow, all the that sort of stuff. stuff. Yeah, like all that. our like our legends yeah. are are quite a. There's we 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 would have grown up actually. I don't know about you, Rob, but my first year studying history in school, I would have been nine. Mm-hmm. The first year was all like yeah. Irish heroes and folklore yeah. Time oh and I was yeah, like history is yeah. badass I was like this is the best <laughs> subject ever and then next year they were like this is how Ireland got home rule and it became a free state <laughs> in 1922 I was like this sucks you know, like, but it, that that first um, that first introduction you know to all those those sort of they're they're archetypes effectively you know the heroes yeah. quest and all that sort of stuff uh but yeah i think that's for us that's the the folklore that we're really into but there's so much stuff like the fovery all those kind of uh, monsters and and demons but we're really into the fae and especially in certain parts of the country like the yeah. cutting the tuft of flowers and you know yeah i think it's there like like what i would i would sort of challenge that a little bit and say I think the academic knowledge of our lore and our legends yes, yes, and myths yes, yes, is yes. very good. But is the public knowledge that good? I don't think so, no, really. No. And I think that's probably why there's so many podcasts that occupy that niche that are very popular. Um, like like we're saying, like we, we'd never heard of the Slua and we're kind of into this stuff, do you know what I mean? Mm. So, like, it's there's a lot of things that come up in, in Ireland. And, and when I do research, like I did these notes, and for me, it was like a learning thing. So it was yeah. quite exciting because you're like, oh, this is cool. But when you do Bigfoot, like I know more about Bigfoot than I know about the Slua. Yeah, you know, well, that kind big, of Bigfoot's a lot sexier. Like there is, t- is tier, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> figuratively, but yeah, also, you know, <laughs> sort of actually. Uh, yeah. But uh, like I do, it's funny. My dad has a book at home. It's the folklore of Wexford. And there's stuff mm. I like in it that I've never heard about before. There's like a there's loads of stuff about disembodied heads that are still alive. Like loads of these different oh, stories right. from like black water apparently riddled with disembodied heads rolling around All the right. place. But yeah, talking. just talking shite. Yeah, just annoying people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of there's a, a huge amount of stuff. But we probably like a lot of um, people in America. I guess Tim as well. We know the heavy hitters. But mm-hmm. we, we don't know a lot of the, you know, because a lot of folklore comes from tiny little villages and stuff like that. And if you're removed from that village as time has gone on, you're probably not going to get these cool little tidbits, folklore right. stories. I, yeah, I guess it's similar with like the melting pot thing here where you get, mm. like we were talking before, there's like pockets of this kind of folklore here. There's pockets of, of that kind of folklore there, as opposed to there being 
a national folklore. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, yeah, so the slua for people, if they're wanting to visualize it, it kind of changes from story to story. Um, But some people say it's like more of a dislodged spectral soul, kind of like a a ghostly figure. Mm. And some people say it's also involved in the wild hunt. You ever heard of the wild hunt, folks? The the Norse stuff. Yeah, so there's like an Irish version of that now, and I'm not an expert on it at all, but a lot of people say that the Slua would be involved in this, in, in the Celtic version of the Wild Hunt, you know? That's awesome. We have a yeah. Pennsylvania version of the Wild Hunt. Oh, wow. Do we, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, what, it, it, what goes on in the Pennsylvania version? It may be the only, I have not found another one, but I'll, I'll mm-hmm. leave it open. It may be the only New World representation of Odin. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, uh, it's it takes various forms, uh, but it's it's very similar. Like the, mm-hmm. now, there's a guy who wrote uh, uh, Claude Lecto, I think is his name. He wrote a book mm-hmm. on the Wild Hunt. I think it's called Phantom Armies of the Night. Fantastic mm-hmm. book, fantastic. Book. Okay, and he would make a distinction between just gatherings of like ghostly armies and the actual Wild Hunt itself. Mm-hmm. But um, uh. they would. Uh, basically very similar tales to to mm-hmm. to uh europe in that you know the, the wild hunts riding across the sky and you had to be aware of it between basically between halloween and uh late late winter you know mm-hmm. and, and but uh, the the tales are very very similar but here they would give them various you know different names they uh actually found like historical people that like oh, this is the leader of the wild hunt you know, ah, this, this guy who ran this, right. this furnace or something okay that's interesting so and this is why you're here tim you say you can rattle off all this information yeah. uh, which is very very useful I'm, I'm, for us in a, this podcast there's a book called the tiger uh by john valiant which i've been trying to get my hands on i've, I've kind of read a small bit just in the preview but it's about uh it's basically about someone hunting down a man-eating tiger right uh you know hmm. who's kind of just on the lamb laying waste to somewhere in, in Russia, I believe. Um, but I, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, you're talking about those old folkloric, like at a certain point, it's possible that a tiger could be something that's like, or rather, how do I phrase this? If we had been in a different time when we weren't going to have digital media that we, you know, is on servers, we could have lost what a tiger is had they become extinct if that yeah. makes sense so I'm, well like the, the image of one like it like the, the image of a tiger yeah you're so so you're saying like the verbal tradition well that actually kind of comes up in the it'll be out like next week the beast of Javodan yes it's yes, kind yes. of like oh, yeah. we, we were talking about how possibly if it was a lion a lot of the people in the area wouldn't have known what a lion is because they'd never seen him mm. and if they had it done it would have been forgotten long ago so yeah so the kind of that idea is that what you're saying well it's kind of like yeah but even as you're saying about the the wild hunt and all that like i'm I'm always curious if there's any sort of reality based in these things. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. the like the idea of a tiger becomes something folkloric depending on mm. the time it comes out. Like a dinosaur is folkloric if we don't have bones, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like then there are these, yeah. these weird traditions. So I'm always curious about things like the wild hunt and these really like gods of lightning and blah, blah, blah. And I love to think that we've we've maybe forgotten some sort of ancient mysticism or something like that that actually did exist in a different time and it's just gone now or it's not available right now you know or you know we have the Nymeriga which we've talked about before Mm. with him because we were kind of talking about the Albatwitch and all that it all kind of ties in but the even like the sort of alleged quote unquote like the 
the Nymeric Guard mummy type of thing that people were saying was one, but that could have been some type of malformed child. Like, you'd wonder, does that stuff take a life of its own then? And mm. people either find that mummy or, you know, in the village they treat it as something more mystical, you know? Well, the Wild Hunt in Pennsylvania is called the Eternal Hunter. I was blanking on that before. That's what they call him, the, right. Eternal Hunter. the Eternal Hunter. Uh, and, uh, it's this combination. It, it does. They, so they would take real people that you can like historically find, you know, mm-hmm. they, oh, this guy was the eternal hunter because he went off and on this ah, hunt and, you know, so like a Genghis Khan or like any of these kind of guys. Is that it's what more like, on, like, like just some dude from the village, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. this dude from right. the village, he swore he was going to hunt this white deer or, and, and he wouldn't come back until he came back with it, say, and oh, then okay. he never comes back. And then he becomes the eternal hunter. But when you're ah, talking about natural things, the squawking of geese in the night, because geese will fly at night, uh, mm-hmm. is often attributed as the sound of the wild hunt. And I believe yeah. that's both in, in Europe, in Germany, and and here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Ewitcher Jäger. Is that the, the German yes. translation? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Der Ewig Jäger, I think. Ah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. I was trying that's to just... avoid doing the pronunciation <laughs> ah, look, we're, we're well taking into deep water yeah they're they're well used to people ruining accents and, yeah. <laughs> and the way things are supposed to be said around here yeah so yeah so that's kind of is is to do with the wild hunt and also then there are some accounts of it being more of a bird-like creature um that kind of has feathers it's kind of this emaciated gaunt kind of thing and that kind of ties in with the surprise poem that we'll have at the end of this episode <laughs> um, which yeah that's why there's none at the start we've got a good one at the end um, so to talk a little bit more about the slua it says that they're a group of restless spectres who haunt the night skies and they're looking for humans to abduct in particular oh, uh, I found when I was researching shout out to Anna Mazzola she has a great article on the slua here and this is just a little paragraph from it she goes on to say that accounts collected by folklorists in the scottish highlands and islands in the 19th century confirmed that the slua were believed to be spirits or mortals who had died in some accounts the hosts were armies fighting battles in the sky on the isle of barra alexander carmichael was told that the spirits fought great battles in the air and that their crimson blood may be seen staining rocks and stones Fwil Nan Slua, the blood of the hosts is the beautiful red crotal of the rocks melted by frost. Mm. So there's a little bit of folklore that actually ties in directly with Wexford because I don't know if we've mentioned it when we've done this trifecta on the pod here, but there's a a tale here, Tim. There's a place called Eden Vale. Mm. Which is a really beautiful uh, wooded walk. It's 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 quite short. It's not long, but you follow a river and you get to a waterfall. Yeah. But there's a, quite a, like a deep sort of fall off to your right side as you're walking down, and allegedly, I believe it was a priest was fleeing on a horse, and I think he was launched from his horse and hit his head off a rock at the bottom of this little gully but that was the same thing that said that the rock was stained forever and that oh, you can still yeah. see this red rock to this day yeah there's there's a place in Lismore actually that uh, we used to visit as kids and it's basically a, a tomb inside a church inside it's not a mm-hmm. cathedral yeah it'd be a church uh, but again it's got a blood stain on it and it's the same thing you can't wash the blood off it's the blood of the saint uh, I, God I can't remember the name I, I haven't been there since I was like single digits um, but yeah a similar kind of a thing you can't get rid of the, the stain of the blood 
these are the kinds of stories I love. Yeah. (laughs) I love these stories so much. Yeah, there's so much. It is like, to be honest, you could probably in Ireland do a county by county podcast of folklore and you would probably Mm. have material for the rest of your life. You could probably do a kilometer by kilometer. Yeah. (laughs) Because we have so many churches and and stuff like that all over the place here. But even in place, like to to put it into context, um, Edenvale is like this tiny little place in a back road in Wexford, you know? So it's, it's like, like a kilometer and a half walk. Yeah. You know? And it's really like if you didn't know it was there, it'd be quite hard to find, you know? And Lismore is a tiny, tiny village in Waterford, kind of between Waterford and Cork. Um, but again, these are these tiny, like such tiny, hard to find places. And they have like, you know, these really great folkloric kind of traditions, you know? It'll be funny to hear the folklore of Waterford in like a thousand years because mm. we're all into like yokes and techno down there now. So yeah, wonder what the story's going to be in hundred years or a thousand years from now. What the folklore yeah. the lab. To be fair, it will be really interesting to hear about the folklore from these times in the future yeah. with the technology and everything. You know what emerges because it's even happening now. Um, do you remember Momo, which yeah, was like yeah. a viral? Did you hear about that one, Tim? The kids. There was this weird, it was basically like this Japanese artist, I believe, made this very weird sculpture. It's very unsettling. And it, it, it was had like these giant eyes, uh, just an obscure sort of like uncanny, terrifying kind of a thing. But there was this whole thing where it said this thing was popping up on kids, uh, not MSN Messenger, <laughs> but fa- Facebook or whatever. And it was like urging them to kill themselves and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, but it's again, it's that kind of new. Like, there, I think there's going to be so many great folkloric stories of the in, the early days of the glitches internet. Glitches in the matrix. Glitches in the matrix. Folklore. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, exactly it for sure. Those it, are I definitely think modern. In a hundred years, people in Wexford might be seriously talking about Davy the Snail. And the <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it's I possible. Hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so because the day of the snail was a real thing. So hopefully, people are taking. Rob, it Rob it. legitimately saw him recently on the. Tower. I saw him recently. <laughs> I actually saw the dude that Davy the Snail was based on, and I thought he was dead or something. <laughs> and I was like, there. I was like, what? The? It was like being a celebrity. Mm. Like I, I couldn't believe it. So. Can you imagine, like, so, yeah. just if you'd been of like, man, I gotta thank you. You've inspired me to do this <laughs> thing, and I'm really enjoying. And just the the sheer look of bewilderment on his face. <laughs> still, uh, still looks the same, Davy. Uh, he looks good. He looks well. Yeah, he looks well. He looks quite scrubbed up. So happy days. So there's a Davy just nailed up there for you. Does he more. look shell? <laughs> oh, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. That's yeah. all for me, folks. <laughs> See you next yeah. week. <laughs> so. Yeah, so in other stories, the Slua were not so much an army as a scourge. Um, they took the form of gusts of wind. They would burn the skin and cause boils. Jeez. And so then, alternatively, there was the host that was a winged, terrible and destructive bird. Uh, one of the storytellers to whom Carmichael spoke said that the spirits fly about in great clouds up and down the face of the world like the starlings and come back to the scenes of their earthly transgressions. Oh. In other accounts, the Slua appear as a whirlwind of flapping wings and undulating shadows, like a flock of crows or ravens. So they were believed to fly from the west in the mouth of the night, seeking souls to steal. When a person lay dying, the door and the windows on the west side of the house were therefore secured to keep spirits out. 
The most dangerous time, of course, was Sewin, mm. which is, as we know, the liminal time. Liminal. liminal TM, Trademark. yeah. When the gates of hell would open and the host would ride forth, woe betide anyone who was out alone. The liminal time in Sewin's very interesting. I kind of like that idea, right? Mm. When you guys were growing up, did, was Samhain common currency? Like that term, that word? No. It's Irish, like it's used as Halloween in Irish. Mm. So, like, so Ihe Sewin is Halloween night night. in 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 Irish. So, yeah. So we it was it was always the Irish word for it. I suppose we like we would have been aware of that word from a relatively early age Mm because you start school like four and they're probably not teaching anything. You know that's that's a uh, difficult to grasp maybe till you're five or six, but they would as it's coming up to Halloween. They'd be like, and the Irish for Halloween is, and you'd be like, oh, Samhain, you know, oh, just as a kid. So they would kind of teach you that way about it. Um, I don't know what the school board is on telling you know terrifying folkloric stories to kids in Halloween, but they certainly the name, yeah. Um, and for us, I I don't know about you, Rob, but as a child. Definitely, there like there was a spooky feeling in the air, you know. And I loved because I don't think I I knew it till I was much older. But the reason that we dress up as ghouls is is to so that the actual spirits don't recognize us, right? You know. So as they're walking around, they're like, "Oh, there's just another ghost, no big deal." Um, so it's a problem if you're dressing up like He Man and Spider Man and stuff. <laughs> maybe that's not the best idea. But uh, yeah, that like I I always felt this lovely I don't know sensation of like comfortable fear at Halloween and then obviously the amount of sugar you were eating probably helped uh, <laughs> add to that yeah exactly well had now, the fear as well <laughs> when when uh, Glenn Danzig had his second band which over yeah. here everyone just calls Sam Hain yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah 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 does everyone pronounce it correctly there yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, won't, awesome. you won't hear a Sam Hain. Yeah, uh, when we that was yeah. Everyone here, like you, can't, if you tell someone like, oh yeah, I, I like Sam Hain, I like that band, they're like, what? Who? Yeah, there's actually, I I got a really funny reaction on back in the day when I used to record on YouTube and stuff. Uh, me and my American friend were just talking shit, playing a game, and it was we were recording. So he keeps saying Sam Hain, and it's quite funny because I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, what? Is, I had to stop and I was like what are you talking about and he was like Sam Hain Halloween and I was like who's Sam Hain I kept thinking, thinking it was a person guy, yeah. I was like who is Sam Hain and he was like no that's, that's what they call Halloween and I was like no Samhain man so it was this really funny like uh, coin drop kind of moment between the two of us uh, I'll see if I have it somewhere you could find the biggest Danzig fan in America and say Samhain and they'd look at you cross-eyed they'd be like, really? yeah. what are you talking about Ah, come on! You gotta, you know, Danzig fans. You gotta do your research. <laughs> to be fair, like um, you know, when you see it written down, if you weren't aware of the way the the you know the the well, Irish we've said language. Irish words wrong on the podcast before. Oh, we 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 continue to on yeah, an yeah. almost weekly basis. Yeah, that yeah, makes so, me feel better because I I I butcher so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's become a running joke that if I pronounce it, it's probably wrong. <laughs> there's been times on the podcast where Rob halfway through trying to say a difficult name just goes blah 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 whatever and just, <laughs> just moves on <laughs> because we, we, we're we guilty of like and you're probably the same like we microanalyze like well I wouldn't say we microanalyze but we, we, we go over everything we say and we think that people are like hanging on your word and most often like people are like listening to your podcast going to bed they're mm. driving they're, they're making stuff, yeah. dinner they don't they don't care about Sam 
Sam Hain. There's, you know, Sam Hain is just some dude to them that lives down the road. You know, they're happy enough. They're like, whatever about pronunciation. So while it is important, I think, at some point to get it right, it depends on what people are actually showing up to your podcast for as well. There, like, there are probably some people that listen to Strange Familiars for an almost academic, academic is probably the wrong word, but they're wanting that kind of learning experience and they want to hear really interesting stories so for them it's quite important that you get things right but then there's probably people who listen to strange familiars and they're in the bed asleep do you know they're like tim's voice is nice i like listening to like the kind of the chilled interviews of people so i'm getting cozy in my bed with me cup of horlicks and me <laughs> hot water bottle and gonna listen to tim you yeah. know well that's it you you know it, it's a funny thing because you've got this like that a relaxing voice but sometimes absolutely terrifying subject matter so it's sort of it's at odds you're kind of like i feel sleepy but i'm also petrified i have installs uh, for that yeah so we have that the one sample we play of um what's the wrestler who's going woo that whenever we talk oh, about woo, oh, rick flair rick flair yeah yeah, yeah. So, woo. and uh this, I have one guy who's you know falls asleep with the podcast and he's like I hate he's like every time you play that it like wakes me up in a start. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Then. So think, there you go. Was it you? I think um oh I think it was an episode of Strange Familiars, uh, Tim. Where it, this is going back years now, and there was a, an episode we had this really strange phone message or noise or. I don't know, like a voicemail that was left. Unless I'm getting confused, and it was a different, but it came no, on I think in the I know middle. What you're talking about. Yeah, I I remember again. I was like falling asleep listening to the podcast, and that came on, and I was with my my girlfriend at the time, and I think she's just she was like, "No more podcast going to bed. That's the <laughs> end of it. It's over now." You know, that is the the Henry McCabe call, I believe, which is one of the most disturbing things it's so scary that like even just thinking about it because he was one of these guys who just who went missing right Mm. he was one of these cases where he he, now they found him a time later i think he was dead in a pond or something they found him but he calls his wife it's so so the original i heard the original call i know i heard it it was much longer the only one i could find is an excerpt now it's like the end of the call but the original call he starts out and he's bewildered you can hear him he's going where where are you where are you where are you yeah and then you just hear this it sounds like some kind of electronic growling in the background yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. and then he starts screaming it's and terrifying like yeah it ends the the again the original call i don't think this is in the clip that i could find now maybe someone out there can find the original call i'd loved it i been looking for it myself i'd love to have it it ends with a very calm voice he's screaming you hear a very calm voice just say stop it yes oh, yes, wow. yes 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 that's how the call ends it's yeah. so creepy that's- and so so to give a little bit of background then so, so there probably might be some of our listeners who haven't heard that is that so what happened this guy went missing was it yeah he went missing and mm. i mean i can play now i don't know if you, how well you'll be able to hear it i can mm. play the call i have it right here oh dude yeah yeah, well, I tell you what we can do. If you're going to sleep, just like yeah, pause play this the call till now tomorrow. And what I'll do, <laughs> yeah, play the call now. And what I'll do is I'll insert it uh, in as well in the edit. Oh yeah, so I'll send you the clear. file. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah.
it, it is close. legitimately terrifying though like legitimately oh man so this yeah. this was a this was a call to his wife then yeah voice message or something yeah, yeah. right that sounds absolutely chilling. To be yeah, quite it's honest it's with you. it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And like I said, if anybody can find the full call, I know it existed at one point, but mm. I had to pull that little segment. I pulled off a news report that was on YouTube, and they just played oh. that little segment. But I originally heard the full call. It was much longer and even more terrifying because, like I said, it starts out and he is bewildered. You can just tell he is completely like just it's scared terrible. and bewildered. It's it's, it's very frightening. So, yeah, so I, I'm sure there are some listeners that have that. They're absolutely, surely people have kept that. Like, it sounds oh. like they will do. Okay. I uh, I, I, I think I I found one thing here. I've just been looking at this while we're talking. I found someone, uh, Hannah the Horrible, who's put something up here. But I don't think it's yeah. the full one. It's just like a minute and a half one. Yeah. yeah. But sure, like, look, we'll find the yeah. full one. It's very a good. minute and a half might be, might be the full one, because mine is about... 30 seconds, I think. Okay. Yeah, give me a quick look. Uh, 6.26 to 8. 8.31. So just over one minute, yeah. Right. Well, send me yeah, a link to I'll that. Send I'll send Right. Send so, it to me yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stick it into the chat here of the uh, of the thing. So it's, it's about ha- six and a half minutes in. It all, it all picks up. Right. So... Yeah, seven's the most liminal time. Watch yourselves, lads. It's coming up soon. Now... Should a knock on the door be heard, it was ignored. If there was a nail tapping on the window, that would send chills throughout the room, which is why I was talking about the rain beating off my window. Not in a sexual way, (laughs) but that's spooky. No fire could take the chill away. When the nighttime came, it often brought death, always shadows, and the smell of fear in the dying. Fear and dying, I think. So, yeah, so this is interesting. Take that in. So the knocking on the window spooky stuff at night all that stuff that that ties in a little bit later so windows actually have a part to play in the wake so i did a bit of research here folks Ooh. and i didn't actually know this amen but traditionally when you have an irish wake you know so if anyone is unfamiliar with it basically you know they'll lay someone out to rest in ireland here when they die it's quite mm. it's quite common i would say probably more common with the older generations now but it still absolutely yeah, happens I think it's still very um, even if you're in the morticians you kind of go there there's a day or two or a day and a yeah. half where you can visit I'm talking the, about uh, the traditional wake oh the three days yeah room. to make sure they don't yeah, wake where, back up like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. talking about the, the wake where you're where you're in someone's yeah. house we had that for my when my nanny passed when I was about 14 uh, it yeah. was bizarre because I, I hadn't been to one in an actual house before let alone my own family's house uh, yeah, it was very strange. I'd only done it in, you know, the usual kind of, in The Undertakers. Yeah, there's like, the body is like drinking cans of Guinness and everything. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I collect old photos and I have a couple photos of old wakes. Oh, man. Well, yeah. people, if you want to come over to Ireland with an old Nick on, son, you'll have plenty of photos of wakes if you want to go around. <laughs> people in masks and uh, mm. they had, uh, I think they put a pipe in the in the corpse's mouth, maybe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, That's there's, still uh, there's some cultures where they like, they take sort of like cool selfies with the body. That's Malaysia. Malaysia, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in Malaysia, they dig up the bodies every year. Uh, have you heard of this one, Tim? I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, they dig up the bodies every year and they have like a party with them. And yeah, give them yeah. cigarettes. Give them cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a documentary on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's I, we were kind of we talked a little bit about it on the pod, I think, and, and you know, it, in a sense, like it's absolutely 
it's not something I would ever do. And mm. it's, in my eyes, at least, it's quite grim. But it, it, I suppose it still attaches the person to the body, right? So mm. it gives mm. you something that you can sort of associate as them. And I suppose it makes it a little bit easier in some sort of, in, to me at least, weird way. Yeah. It makes it... Um, easier and more palatable for them to kind of carry on after they die, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's very common, you know, in the Victorian times to take a picture of, of the dead body before you buried it. You know, this was yeah. Yeah. maybe the only, especially with children, you know? Yeah, that's maybe, right. Yeah. Maybe do that. the only time you're going to get a picture of your child. They still do that now to this day, yeah. With yeah. miscarriages and stuff like that, I've heard of that, yeah. Really, also, yeah. I think I mm-hmm. think in the past we were just more connected to death in a way, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe yeah. other cultures are too. It's it's we put it I mean it's not nice to think about, right? It's 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 no. easy to push it to the side and go, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's real morbid. But yeah. I think it's it's more a part of life for for some cultures i guess you know? i think yeah i think it's human nature to not think about it in a sense because <laughs> sure. you're trying to avoid it and it's probably like this self-preservation thing that we have in us where we don't want to think that can happen to us because it's probably against our original program and to think that so i think yeah yeah for sure i i think that probably in the face of being you know, it's inevitable to us, and and now we see it more and more. I think so. Some people probably try and reject it more, and then some people maybe, you know, jump in front of it and try and see how they'll deal with it head on, that kind of thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, so in the wake scenario here, the only room that the body is laid to rest in will have its window open. So, just the room with the body, okay. and the rest of the house will actually have its curtains and windows closed. Um, mirrors will also be made to face the wall so there's definitely a sort of a fear of leaving a house open when there's someone dead there right yeah yeah absolutely it's a it's interesting yeah mirrors have always been this kind of conduit to the other Mm -hmm. the other realm as well which has always uh, always interested me why do you reckon that is? Is it because you can sort of see back at yourself? You can see into the. There's some. Is it? Is it because there's some implied magic with a mirror? I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm either, not totally but that's sure. the kind of thing. It's like, yeah. you have any ideas, Tim? I, I, you're looking at everything, but it's also backwards, right? Yeah, like, yeah, mm, like the upside yeah. down almost, right? Yeah, like that yeah, kind of idea. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I so, night falls here, and I close all the shades and, and curtains because I cannot stand having a window open and someone being outside or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even worse, outside and looking in. I was uh, interviewing a Native American guy recently, and we were talking about. It. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a total like we we absolutely do that. Like yeah. you know, ah. that part of their tradition. They're like like curtains drawn, shades down as soon as it's dark." Yeah. Okay. I don't like that. I actually like, uh, I wouldn't say windows open, but I do like the kind of the the curtains open uh, at nighttime. Sometimes I'll leave that. I like a night breeze. So sometimes Mm. I will break this rule in order to get a nice night breeze, you know, if it's a nice cool night. But uh, in general, I I just wondered if, because they also cover the the mirrors, they said. Yeah. Uh, So I was wondering if there was anything similar to that. Well, isn't there like some stuff about. And again, I don't know if this is folklore, if it's actually just storytelling, you know, but there's definitely stories about the person in the mirror, like taking you into the mirror and then mm-hmm. you being left trapped 
in this sort of you know back to front world and that that sort of thing has taken your reflection effectively has taken over from you um but there i'm not some yeah it was something with mirrors and like some little like like witchcraft like school girl witchcraft rich witch, yeah. ritual like you're supposed to do something like say something back maybe say the lord's Bigger prayer smalls three times <laughs> i think it was the lord's like prayer backwards into a mirror or something and something was supposed to happen it's kind of like remember. a bloody mary type thing as well yeah right? kind of yeah. like that yeah i remember girls tell me about it in school but i i forget the actual what the actual ritual yeah, was. i remember was me me and a buddy of mine got like obnoxiously high one night when we were in college <laughs> and like we were convinced we could change the colors of our eyes because he was like, yeah, man, I've been reading about witchcraft and I'll just keep doing this. We're just both totally out of it. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. And he's like lighting candles. He was like, what color eyes do you want? And I was like, uh, I don't know, man, like purple. And he's like, no, it has to be like normal color. <laughs> just, but yeah, I spent, you know, spent a few hours doing that. Uh, now my eyes do change between green and blue, but it just depends what way the light hits him. So... That's uh that's not down to witchcraft, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a lot of interesting ideas with that and with the sort of the wake idea, but there's uh, a oh, great blog. Wait, sorry, Dana. Yeah. The window oh, was right. left open to let the soul go out? Yes? Mm. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they control what windows are open and stuff like that. So there's a, there's definitely... I think you know what it's the same as someone the, that was the to do year. diligent research could come up with probably a full episode on Windows mm. in folklore. I think there, oh, yeah. I think there's enough material there for us. You yeah, know? but isn't isn't oh, yeah. it the same to do with the the new year and you know they open the door, open the yeah. front door yeah. and the back door to allow the new year or the old year to pass through rather, um, yeah. you know, and and make way for the new year. Yeah, so you don't we do that here. Mm, it's oh, almost yeah. it's almost like a feng shui thing, but like there's some sort of weird science behind feng shui right about the dimensions ah, of putting things together that's a, i remember when i when i was young hearing about feng shui and they were like oh you can't have a tv in your room or something and i have about 14 tvs in your room <laughs> doing all right like they they could have surviving. been they could have been right man you're you're not well you're not well <laughs> um I, I know i open the doors of my house every new year's to yeah. and hope that a party dog comes walking through yeah oh, yeah there you go the party That's dog it. yeah he the might be back dog, yeah. yeah the black lab the black lab might be back yeah for sure and and funnily enough i didn't do that tradition in that house it's always a tradition that me mad does so she'd open the door the front and the back so uh maybe the black dog has something to do with that but uh yeah so silent owl's blog silent owl he's done a lot of research on this type of stuff so if you're interested go and check out his blog tim do you want to take away these paragraphs from silent owl's blog? i will do my best but first i'm gonna get a drink of water <laughs> so, you do that you're so right yeah. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I always have water with a lid on it, and here's why. Right. There's your folklore behind Tim's water. No, no, there's no folklore. <laughs> personal experience. So, you know, in my music playing days, people would mm-hmm. often buy me a, a beer or, to my preference, a, a cider mm, while nice. I was playing music, right? Like here, you know, and they bring it up to the mm-hmm. stage and they set it beside me, and you know, open glass mm-hmm. or mug or whatever. And 100% of the time, I knocked it over. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not like rocking out. I'd, I'd sit down in a chair, you know, I'm playing folk music. This is, this is very, mm-hmm. but every single time I'd spill it. So I got <laughs> in this habit of uh, if, if I'm doing something like podcasting or whatever, I, I have to have yeah. a lid on my walk. Especially when you well, have the laptop podcast. in front of you as well and all the, yeah, exactly. you know, the interface and everything for sure, yeah. I live dangerously. I've got my Jurassic Park mug here right beside the mixing desk. Things could go, <laughs> things could go south at any moment. <laughs> all right, let's get to Silent Al's blog. Mm-hmm. Once the stolen spirit was captured, a terrified scream would echo from the shadows and continue through the night slowly becoming farther away before growing silent. This is the soul of a dying person, yes? Yeah, it is, yeah. The soul of the dying would now be joined to the unforgiving dead. Now they too were cursed to roam forever through the dark night, damned to an eternity of sorrow. Innocent or evil, any soul would do. It did not matter to the slua. The slua were said to be bird-like, with long, thin fingers that were webbed with leathery skin, a bit like a bat. They had caped-like wings that flapped in the night and long claws that protruded from deformed legs. They were said to smell like rotten meat, and it was the sound of beating wings together with this smell that alerted you to their presence. If you then heard a knock on the door or a nail scratching at the window, you would be wise to ignore it. When darkness fell, it often brought death. It always brought shadows. Yeah, I mean, these guys had a lot to worry about back in the... So if you're, you know, what, I suppose 16th century, that kind of time, Ireland, you've got a lot of things to worry about, right? 17th century to 18th century, you're worrying about, like, famine. A lot of, a lot of rules. 
you're, yeah, you're worrying about all this folklore, all of these rituals and rites. Um, and this is the thing that whenever we do notes on something Irish and folkloric, I kind of do wonder how commonplace this stuff was. Well, um, I'm curious because one of the things that's that's just jumped out to me there is the the smell of rotten meat, right? Oh yeah. And with a lot of uh, even like sort of more current cryptids and paranormal, obviously Bigfoot is meant to stink, right? Like there's meant to be this mm-hmm. really pungent smell. Um, and some people have described that as just like it's not like that. Sometimes they don't describe it as what you'd expect, like a zooish musk kind of you know, like I don't know effluent smell but like something that is just truly horrible and then obviously in uh, a lot of paranormal cases they talk about this really bad smell of tobacco like sour pus like Mm. tobacco Mm. so I am curious about this like like why this because well I guess we know why but it is interesting to see it happen in more let's say modern I don't know if modern's a fair word, but but mm-hmm. things that we're still talking about. There's not a lot of guys saying, oh, I saw the slua. You know, there's not a lot of sightings of this, whereas no, Bigfoot no. is obviously much more prevalent. But that that uh, that idea of a smell of an otherworldly oh, yeah. essence. As well as tapping at the window, right? As, yeah, actually, yes, that's very true. Yeah. And one yeah, of my another, like, scary days. experiences in the woods uh, started with, uh, well, it started with a, a, a wood knock, and, but very soon after I started, and it was the smell of some death you know i felt oh, like wow. something dead, dead was right beside me uh very wow. very very that frightening was, I, I remember still uh listening to an episode of sasquatch chronicles many years ago another kind of going to sleep obviously wes has a quite a relaxing voice as well oh, yeah. you know yeah, sasquatch chronicles i mean yeah. I, I love the podcast but i love it for getting me through some many many sleepless nights yes, Other, yes. otherwise sleepless without sasquatch chronicles. exactly yeah but there was he talked about uh there was a guy who had had sightings kind of all through his life and one of them was of a, a Bigfoot kind of tapping the window and when the kid opened the window the Bigfoot was beckoning for him to come outside with a smile on its face oh, which yeah. just that image scared oh it was just oh, so yeah. unsettling you know oh yeah yeah, yeah so there's the the West thing, you know, we talked about earlier there about how, you know, the West was always something that was kind of protected and, and, mm-hmm. and people were very careful about it. Um, do you reckon there's any significance to it? And why is it? Is it just because the sun sets on yeah, that I side? Don't I don't know. I know the directions do seem to be important, but I, I, like, why West? Yeah. It's always West. Like, West is something that, that comes comes up all the time and and the only thing i can think about is that's the last side of your house the light touches right oh okay Would that be yeah. right in, in the our sunsets sunsets yeah and yeah yes rise to the east and now i wonder in other folkloric yeah. cultures does that change then that's an interesting thing to look into that's something for another time i think right yeah 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 because but that's that is something that comes up all the time so i was kind of like why is that i couldn't really get any concrete it probably answers. is I, I think maybe well, as well go ahead sorry no I was just going to say as well back then like darkness was legitimately dangerous like it yeah. wasn't a case of pressing a button and having light do you know no. and the light you did have could actually burn your house to the ground right. so you know it was, it was quite so I think yeah darkness was probably something to just for in and what it was without kind of thinking of the supernatural things that might exist inside of it or even the human things that might want to do you harm just darkness itself actually was threatening in those times i guess oh yeah 
Yes. And there's some trains of thought as well. Like, do you know the way people say, like, they're a day person or a night person? Mm. Like, I, I'm a night person for sure. Yeah. But they reckon that, like, that's actually, like, this is a one theory, I suppose, um, that the reason that happens is because, you know, historically, there would be members of the tribe that would be awake at night. There would be members of the tribe that were awake in the morning. There was always someone awake watching mm. or doing something. Yes, yes. So there was never a time in a community where everyone was asleep. Yeah. Um, so they reckon that it's like a genetic thing. Ah. That's sometimes, well, it's been theorized. Let's not say it's a, it's a reckoning thing, but there's also as well, um, I remember hearing years ago that, was it before, maybe before the advent of electricity in England, like people used to wake up at like three or four in the morning for an hour or two? Really? And yeah, oh. and they would just do do a few bits and then go back to bed. <laughs> right. Um, and so you'd wonder, is it because of electricity now that we're sort of confined to the cycle and obviously the work, the I, work week and the night to five? Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I often think that I think people would be a lot healthier if, like, so a lot of businesses are open like when nine to five or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because like a lot of people, you know, you have to be, but if the business that could be flexible, the businesses that, that could yeah. change and allow people the flexibility, I think society would become a lot healthier. I right? think so. I think so. Right? You, yeah. you have to put in eight hours. You can start at 10 a.m. instead of yeah. 9 a.m. You can start at 11 a.m., you know, whatever the eight hours is. I, I often think that because because of those natural rhythms that people have, you know, yep. uh, I think society would be healthier if, if I feel better at night. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I asked, I watched um, a short little documentary on that, like circadian rhythms. But it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, to your point. Yeah, some people. There was a guy who tried. You know, I'm going to get up at five, go to the gym, blah 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 blah, and they did a little bit of a study. And for some people, it's like it just doesn't work mm-hmm. at all. You know, like they're just not wired in that way. Um, and they came to the same conclusion that that you had there which was like it would be very good if these people could you know maybe start working at 1 p.m finish at 9 p.m then stay up till 4 a.m mm-hmm. then go asleep mm-hmm. and which uh yeah because and maybe it is to to your point as well rob something that goes back to something in our genetics where okay you're you're on the night shift like if you're yeah, if you're the yeah. kid of someone who does the night shift a lot yeah you're gonna be yeah which yeah. i would have been my mom was a nurse same, yeah so yeah, like same. am i kind of and is that why I have trouble sleeping, you know? Like, I've never known my father to ever even be like, oh, yeah, I can't sleep. Like, he just closes his eyes and that's yeah. the end of it. Whereas my mom constantly has trouble and used to do night duty, you know? Yeah, no, I'm a night owl mm. completely. Well, how about you, Tim? Are you, are you absolute, an AM or a PM? Absolute night owl. I've tried to change yeah. and yeah. I can't. I cannot. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want to get up, you know, because I think for the night owl they associate with like I want to get up at like 6am and be super productive today and I want to get everything the people that get up at that time are so productive that's the way I look at it mm-hmm. I'm like damn I'd love to get up that early and you know have stuff done before 9 and then I can head out 9 do me thing but for me if I have to get up like super early I'll still go to bed probably at 12 yeah, or 1am yeah. then I'll just wake up and feel like a shit bag for that day and I'll <laughs> still probably try and stay up late that evening again and push it and I'm like no because I want to be awake at night time I, I used to kill myself when I, I back when I did phone work you know I'd have to get up mm-hmm. at 7 in the morning 6 in the morning mm-hmm. and I'd still stay up till 4 in the morning 
Cause yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's absolutely same. Yeah, every night, and I just go to work on you know a couple hours of sleep. That's what I did, yeah. and just get it yeah. back. Yeah, no, I was the same. And what again? I remember when I was in college, I used to live in Wexford, do two days a week in Dublin uh, when I was doing my masters or whatever. And I I remember one night in particular, I used to have to get the the bus at like half five in the morning to get there on time, half five or half six. <laughs> and I bought a really crap it's not crap actually that's unfair it's actually very good but it's for most people who like actual good movies like I love like a man versus a shark movie mm. like I, that totally <laughs> lights me up and there's one called Rogue about an Australian guy effectively fighting a giant crocodile Uh and I remember I got it. I bought it when Tesco's used to be 24 hour. By the time I got home, it was like one in the morning. I was like, yeah, if I go to sleep now, you know, four or five hours, I'll get up, I'll get the thing. And I was like, yeah, but I want to watch this movie about the giant crocodile. Mm-hmm. And I stayed up till, to your point, about four in the morning, two hours sleep. And then yeah. off you go, you know, just because I wanted to watch it. Ju- I could have watched it the <laughs> next day. Do you know what I mean? But right. if there's something right. about the nighttime that's exciting. Yeah, I've always been more creative at night. I yes. cannot. Yeah, same, same. That's when all the podcast stuff for me, at least. I don't know about Em, and I think it is the same with Em. But all of my podcast stuff gets done towards mm. the end of the night. Even when myself and Em are done recording, usually we're fairly bad. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll actually edit the episodes there and then, and then go to sleep. Mm. You know. Oh no, for for sure. Yeah, I noticed. I love sometimes getting into a state when it's one or two in the morning. And maybe mm-hmm. you've been up early for work that day or something, and you're mm-hmm. starting to get that weird, like, you're not high, delir- but delir- your delir- brain, yeah, your brain's kind of not yeah. as it should be. And then you start writing or something, and you're just like, you're like, oh, you're almost scaring yourself with what's coming <laughs> out of you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, music happens then. Yes. That's where I think yes. probably 90% of the songs I've written have been between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., probably. Nice. Yeah, the witching nice. hours yeah that's cool that, that's even more atmospheric that like sure. Tim's music gets made during the witching hour you know <laughs> makes it more mystical or something yeah. cool. that's like if you were um, some sort of you know some guy back in the the early 1900s or whatever you're like ah oh, listen to this scary movie recorded in the witching hour you know that would be the, that would be the way to sell it you know <laughs> It would, and people are probably laughing up as well. So, folks, um, Tim, we have here some West Side folklore from... Have you ever heard of this guy, Tim? Conrad Ahrensberg? He travelled around Ireland. He was an American guy. And he wrote this book called The Irish Countryman. Oh, you know what? I, I might I might have a copy of that in, in my vast uh, copy of... Someone gave me a massive collection of books on PDF. And I nice. think it might be in there. Might be in there. Yeah, I can't remember when this was published. A part of me wants to say in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite interesting. There's a lot of stuff in there for people that are interested. So, uh, Tim, do you want to take it away and read sure. these paragraphs? Sure. It is the West Room and the western end of the house that the fairies frequent. Where a fairy path is believed to pass the house, it passes invariably along the western end of the house. Mm. The country people... Oh, you're going to make me say this? <laughs> of, I, I would say Luach, uh, it, it Lock, but it's kind of spelled yeah, weird, so I would say, just say Lock. The I country people of Luach <laughs> <laughs> and other parts of West Clare give this as the reason why no extensions, outhouses, sheds, or other structures are built on that side. Mm. Bad luck would result. In Luach, none of the 25 houses of the townland had any structure of any sort built there. And it is often in this room that the fairies spend the night 
when they visit a house on their nocturnal travels. So, yeah, a bit more West Side folklore there, yeah. And thinking back to the farm, we had, we didn't use them, but we had outhouses for them mm. there from previous times. They were on the east side. Interesting. Oh, well, Arn yeah. was, on, was on to the east, nothing to the west. Did you, oh. did you ever have any, like, was there ever any superstition about cutting down flower tufts or anything like that? Not that I can recall. No. Okay. Was there any, was there any sort of, um, did you ever hear anything folkloric? Because you, you, you were on a farm, right? I assume it was your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any sort of folkloric tendencies from your parents at that time or not? My mom, so she she got MS at an early age and, and uh, okay. it affected her mentally. So by the time I got really into this stuff, she was kind of out of it. Mm. Okay. Um, so I couldn't ask her, but I do remember a couple times in my youth, like one very specific time that told me like mom was probably a little more tuned into this stuff than, than I thought I was watching a, a, a light bounce around uh, down by the barn fr- from the house. Mm-hmm. And I said, mom, mom, what is that light? What is that? Yeah. And she very casually just said, oh, that's a will-o'-the-wisp. Oh, just, oh wow. Yeah, very yeah. casually, as if it was a, to the point where I thought, oh, it's like a firefly or something, yeah. right? There's, mm-hmm. there's something natural. There's nothing like, and I don't know if she did that on purpose. Like she didn't want to scare mm-hmm. me. So she just said it that way or mm-hmm. or what? But she was very matter of fact about it. And I, I like looking back, I really want to ask her about that now. And of course she's passed. I can't, mm-hmm. and, you know, but uh yeah, so there there was that hint of it, and then of course we had like local ghost stories and stuff, but but uh, not too much about like you know. Uh, yeah, because it it seems like it's a rural thing here in Ireland, so mm. that's why I ask. Is like it seems to be more of a out of town type of thing, at least yeah. from what I see in doing notes and things like that. You there's know? there's definitely I know some of my cousins live uh, quite rural. So they're in a place called Faith Leg. So it's it's like, you you know, just very very isolated. Um, yeah. but they have. Uh, it used to be, I believe, there was a manor at the end of the at the end of the street. Well, it's not even a street; it's like a dirt road where they live. But my cousin has told me the story about the coachman there many times. Uh, my cousin Luke, uh, I think, he's actually paid listens to the, to your podcast and our podcast as well. Tim would be a fan. Um, but he has told me about this this story where he's walking home with his friend and he basically sees it's like a man in a top hat almost like a shadow almost like that uh that shadow person motif with the with the kind of top hat the 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 shadow the hat man i guess they call him Mm. um but they see this guy the coachman walking and my cousin sees it and kind of freaks out and he looks at his friend and you can see he's freaked out as well but they don't say it and and so before they talk about it, my cousin's kind of like, just before like I say it, and I, will you just tell me what you saw? And he tells him, and it's it turns out it's the very same image, you know, this guy in a kind of a the way he described it to me was certainly that the most prominent thing was the hat. It was dark, but this sort mm-hmm. of you know it just sort of disappears or walks past him. And he says he's seen him a few times uh, out there, but apparently he was he was the fellow who used to ferry around the sort of lord and lady of the manor. Uh, way back when and so they call him the coachman and he's sort of still traveling those roads there was a story and this this informed my whole childhood this this mm. this story may in fact be the the reason for all of this stuff with yeah me. yeah and everything else there was a, a tree 
in my neighborhood that would creak in the wind, mm. you know, like it's an old dead tree. And it was, uh, I lived on a road called Dark Hollow Road, so that kind of helped. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that does absolutely help. Yeah. And uh, I would ride by this tree, and I would I'd hear it all the time, and it always sounded spooky. I don't, I don't remember a time, like as a kid, like riding my bike by it, that it didn't make a sound, you know. Mm. And uh, it was down, you, down the hill. You headed to a creek, and uh, one time I was some older kid, and he was like just a few years older than me, like more, maybe four or five years older than me. Mm. It says, uh, you hear that? And I said, yeah. And he said, that's that's the witch tree. Yeah. And I was like, witch tree, what? <laughs> and he tells me the story. There's like a, a witch was hanged from the tree and then her soul's in the tree and that the creaking oh, was heard like God, yeah. saying spells or something, trying to get, get her soul out of the tree, right? Oh. And uh, that informed my entire childhood. That, like I said, that might be the reason. Like it just fired my imagination so much. Yeah. And uh, this, this fellow has since died. And oh, I can't gosh. ask him like is this something you made up just to tell yeah. me or is this something that someone else told you that you passed down to me? I don't know. Mm. I'll, I'll never know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, we have a lot of devil's trees here, which are like trees that grow by themselves in the middle of a field. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just like, be careful of that tree. You know, like the, it's a, mm. it's kind of a known thing. I don't know if you're familiar with it as well, Rob, there's a few devil's chairs around Wexford. Oh yeah. There's loads of devil's loads chairs. Of devil's yeah. Chairs. But some of the, sometimes those trees though in a field are a good thing. Um, yeah. Depending on your, your point of view. Yeah. Yeah. No, sometimes they are, but they're also, isn't it, there's something about, this isn't really folklore more as it is just like animal welfare, but isn't it super dangerous to have one, and this might be where the devil's thing comes from, by the way. If you have one tree in a field, during a storm what happens is the cows will try and take shelter under the tree when the lightning strikes the tree it'll kill all the cows in the vicinity of the tree mm, so i'm wondering right, yeah. is that where the idea of the devil's tree came from could be ah, yeah there's yeah. there's usually some sort of semi-pragmatic reason did you ever hear that tim no, that sounds like something that could have happened once, right? And, yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think. It a thing. <laughs> well, I think it's like I'd imagine it happens semi-frequently. If you if you imagine like pre-tall buildings, all that kind of stuff. If you're in somewhere that like obviously for agriculture, you're stripping back all the trees, and especially in Ireland, like Ireland was at one point like something crazy like 97 96% forest and oh my now it's God. like down, mm. down to like it's next to nothing Pennsylvania was too I can yeah. I, yeah. I always like think back to that like what did that look like that must yeah. have Ireland was a, a rainforest was literally a temperate rainforest it's one of the only there's like only I think four or so places in the world that is a, a temperate rainforest mm-hmm. and I think a, a simple way of classifying is is, is this something like in a temperate rainforest, like a living, like moss can grow on trees and things like that, and and like living things can grow on living things. I think is how it's classified, something okay. like that. Anyway, I'm butchering it, but if you go and Google it, you'll get the proper information out there. But yeah, I wonder when all of these trees would have been stripped down for agriculture. You know, you would have only had these very select few trees. Lightning needs obviously a tall spot. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't have been as many tall spots around that area. So when it does Why find its path walk next to you in a storm, 
Yeah, oh, I'm I'm screwed. I'm actually surprised <laughs> I've never been struck. Actually, one night I went like pretty much storm chasing in a really badass lightning storm here in Wexford, and I went on top of a mountain with a friend of mine. Probably was the best idea, but it was it made for some great visuals. It was a really cool uh, spectacle to see. Um, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder is that where some of the devil tree stuff comes from? Because it just it seems like it. Um, there's there's but, often with this folklore. There's often a reason behind yeah. it like mm. that right like um you know don't follow the lights in the woods at night yeah i mean it's probably not a good thing to follow anything through the woods at night right <laughs> you know i mean true, yeah. yeah you know these these are these are there's probably a lot of practicality behind a, a lot of these you mm. know sort of i think as well when you look into say african folklore that's why a lot of it is more visceral more dangerous because probably they had worst things to contend with mm. I mean in Ireland if you went out in the night back then you didn't really have much to worry about except spraining your ankle or something you know <laughs> but in Africa in certain parts where you know it's a tribal thing and stuff like if you go out into the into the rainforest at night um, things would be pretty bad so I'm wondering is that why some of their folklore is more you know these grandiose monsters and things like that like your Michaela Membes and Emila and Tukas are all things we've talked about before um, yeah, I just wonder, is that why they kind of had to up the ante with the folklore to try and keep these kids in line? I, I yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. yeah, It almost seems like, though, you could just tell them what's actually there. You know, it's like, hey, look at that line. <laughs> yeah. That'll fuck you up. And the kid's like, yeah, I don't need any other stories. That's fine. You are an easy meal for him. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I see, you'd have to be like, so, you know, you're like some... If you're kind of cuddly at all lines, like, especially if you're a child, you'd be like, I want to go and cuddle him, you know? You yeah, don't know he's going to They do look head. awesome. You wonder, I wonder how much... Uh, I wonder how much child killings the jungle book is responsible for. You know, like a kid oh, sees a bear's like Baloo, Baloo. Um, but yeah, scary. Now bears look cute. Like there is not a bear yeah. I see that's like, oh, I just want to hang out with him, and it's like they will yeah. just eat you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that. That is the thing with them. Is like they do look cute, but then they're going to rip your face off. I seen a clip. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, where there's some tourists and this black bear comes out of the woods. And it gets right up to him and it's sniffing him and everything. Like it's it's that close to where its nose is literally touching their skin. And um the girl, I, I suppose, I don't know like whether I would recommend or not recommend. Well, actually I wouldn't recommend it. She takes out her phone and takes a selfie oh, with the wow. bear. But at the same time, right, what I was thinking about, people were kind of chastising her and all this for this stupid decision. But at the same time, what else? Like, yeah. if if it wants to kill you, it's going to kill you. Yeah, you're not going to. So you may as well get a cool photo, right? <laughs> that's yeah, it's a fair Cause point. Yeah, because like, I mean, all right, okay, you could say maybe the movement might startle it, and that could be what uh, makes it turn on you. But at the same time, if it wants to kill you, there, then you're dead. I think you is no it, isn't it they say with the black bear, it's like try, like they they recommend you just try and fight. Because you might be able to get away, but with a grizzly, right. it's like just pretend to be dead. Like there's yeah, not the a grizzly, chance. Yeah. Grizzly, you just roll up into a ball and, yeah. and hope for the best. With the black bear, yeah, it's going to... Yeah. At some point, like I heard an article. Um, I, I heard an article. I read an article. <laughs> uh, I want to say probably a decade or more ago. Mm. And they were talking about the increase in black bear attacks mm. in America. And they were saying, like, one of the theories is over time, they've realized, like, Oh, these things don't carry guns anymore. Yeah, ah. Humans, you know they're they're looking like they're not as dangerous as they used to be. That's true. Yeah. 
because but you know back in the day everybody everyone all had the guns. Time. yeah yeah article sponsored by the nra in <laughs> 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 fine print at the bottom <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but sir no you're right though mm. it, it it would make sense that like an animal especially a predator like that would be very in tune to whether or not the threat is there you know what i mean and back then like 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 the frontier and stuff um when people first came to them, people were just shooting everything you know they're back this year we, we had a lot of black bears in the area really yeah. i haven't seen one I, I came across tracks when i was hiking mm, one time that's scary because i like hiking and if i was if there was bears near me i wouldn't be hiking i was like what is this what is this because their <laughs> um their back feet look almost almost human-like mm. and uh-huh. I thought I found like uh, albatwitch prints. That's what I thought it yeah. was. Like, okay. Oh, because they look, but then I saw the front, the front tracks. I was like, oh, that's a black bear. Wow. And yeah. uh, I don't, it looked pretty fresh, but I didn't see him. Yeah. Um, I saw one cross the road in front of me one night, but I've never seen one while hiking. I kind of hope I, yeah. kind of want to, but kind of don't. You yeah. know what I mean? It's one of those things where no. like, you saw, I saw two in Canada, time. which was, uh, so one we were i was landscaping there years and years ago we were doing a golf course and there was two black bears we saw now they kind of just we were told they just hang out like they didn't cause any problems but there was one that was getting up on its hind legs and it it was just showing a display i suppose and all the lads were standing there we had effectively what we had to cut the sod were like steak knives i guess you know uh and they were just like fortified steak knives so that's how you'd kind of cut your your uh your grass and lay it down and and whatever but yeah it was pretty scary looking over at that and then another time we went to whistler i was actually it was in whistler but we were just there a different time for leisure rather than work and we were walking into a place called the lost lake and two baby black bear cubs came out and Mm. the park ranger came down he had like a rifle and everything and we just we weren't allowed to go anywhere and the the bears were kind of walk they're super cute like tiny and they're just kind of like ma ma it sounded like they're saying we in ireland when we want our mothers we go ma (laughs) ma (laughs) and they'd actually sounded like you know a bear version of that but everyone was kind of like oh like that this means the mother is close right yeah that's that's the real yeah i'd almost rather come upon an adult male than cubs because yes. if you come upon cubs the mother's nearby that's yeah. it that's yeah. it exactly now thank god we were all good but uh it, it was a bit of a i think it was just because there was a lot of us there because there's a lot of people using the trail so i think at that time there was the ranger and maybe there was me and five other five or six of my friends and then there was like maybe another four people coming the opposite way and the guy was just like everybody shut up and just stand here until i tell you it's okay wow. to leave yeah You've seen that footage I sent you. Oh, that's, the grizzly that's scared attacking the me. Bus. That scared me, yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh, I'll stick it up on my... Uh, or on our Instagram, I'll put it up on there instead. The the grizzly just... I, I don't know what the clip is from. i seen it on... I think it was Reddit or something. Mm-hmm. But the grizzly just bursts out into this river where there's some guys canoeing. I think it's from a TV, a TV show. And the guy actually lets off a shot... And it just stops the bear in its tracks, yeah. and the bear just turns around. But it got so close to the boat. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, if the boat, if it got into that boat, they're all dead, really. You know, yeah, terrifying. Now I have seen mountain lion. Okay. Oh well, that's spooky. That's Which also aren't supposed spooky. to be here, but they are. <laughs> yeah. But like no, the the game commission and everything. So well, they're not here, but pe- enough people have seen them. They've been caught on game cams. They're they're here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely here. And but I saw one two days in a row uh, walking through a field at the same time of day. It was really weird. Oh. But uh, that, like, I'd never seen one 
that close. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, was oh. it big? Big-ish, I'd say. Yeah, oh, right? Big. Probably the size of a German Shepherd, maybe? But bigger. Uh, bigger than that. Like, yeah. the length of the tail. Like, when you, the, like, they're long and, and lithe, and it's just, mm. this, and I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do against this? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if it wants, because it's like, this was near my parents' farm. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the woods all the time there, and I'm thinking, well, just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's all you can do. Yeah, yeah for sure. if, it, if it wants to eat me, I, I don't. I, I'm looking. I'm like, I don't think I could fight against that. Like yeah. that's just. No. And I, you I, can. Uh, tough. Yeah, I, I think as well. It's like seeing animals like that sort of in front of you. Because, you know, you see a cougar and you're kind of going, ah, it's not so big, blah, blah. But then when you see one in reality, you're like, oh, shit. Like, this yeah. this is that. I'm pretty scared now. Like, this is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And bears, no, I, I mean, like, I wouldn't want to fight a bear either. But no they seem way. kind of lumbering and, like, you'll know they're there. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, cougar, mountain lion, you'll, you won't know it's there. That's the thing. Until it's on no. you. Yeah, because no. yeah, they're, like, stalk predators. Yeah, yeah. true, yeah. true, true. Yeah, so we'll get back to this is the great thing when you have podcasters together they both decide what we do is the best <laughs> I love it um, the Irish countryman we're back to that from Conrad Arnsberg um, and he had a little bit on the general Irish folkloric sentiment towards fairies at the time because we were kind of trying to establish that and we'll talk a little bit after Tim reads this paragraph what does he say there to me? food and water must be left for them at night dirty water must not be thrown out at night for the night is a lonely time. You wouldn't like to be out in it. The fairies are abroad. Were the water thrown out, there's danger that it might dirty them as they pass along a fairy path or make nocturnal visit. Then they will be angry and disaster will follow. A hen, a pig, a cow, or even a child may sicken and die. Right. Do we reckon so... belief was actually that widespread or was it played up by the authors? Oh. This ties in a lot. I wrote a whole chapter on gifting. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you did your gifting thing as well yourself, didn't you? I think we yeah, talked yeah, a little I, bit yeah. about that on our first episode together. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. what do you reckon then? Do you think that, like, this is the thing. So we hear this. This is all stuff that, you know, you'll do research and you've done research to him and we have. And, and when you come across this, you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool and really plausible and stuff. But to be quite honest with you, like, I've never heard someone say this kind of thing to me in person ever. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of always wonder is, is there like a strong literary tradition of keeping these legends alive? And now with, with podcasts and stuff, it's getting even better. But like, I really do wonder, maybe it was just lost for a couple of hundred years. Maybe people just, you know, 18, 1900s probably just gave up on the folklore a little bit maybe maybe as people move closer into towns that kind of yeah, stuff I died know. out but... I mean I think it's for some for some people it's it's always been there right like again it's I was talking always been there. this Native American guy and he was talking about spirit plates so they mm-hmm. make they make dinner and, and I think it was on special occasions and, I, and forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong they might do it more than more often they would uh, make a plate of food for the spirits mm-hmm. and they would just leave it outside. I mean, this is essentially the same thing, right? It's just a diff- sort of different cultural drapings yeah. over it. You know, we we do it here for um, like someone that say passed away. You buy him a drink at the bar, so you'll go down, you'll get like a pint of Guinness and a say what what a lot of older guys do. They get like a pint and a chaser, so pint of Guinness and a, mm-hmm. a thing of whiskey, and you buy the same and just leave it there for the night for oh, your your so friend who had passed. Yeah, 
pouring some out from my dead homies. Uh, yeah, it's, it it, it's, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's actually <laughs> the exactly. same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. the Ford Yeah. Uh, what is yeah, it? Old England, all. isn't that the old, old English? English yeah. yeah. And uh, is it called Forty Five? Is that Cold a drink 45, as well? As a, yeah. 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 Whenever I, gifting comes up, I always tell people like like you probably did it and people are like what i'm like yeah you probably did it you leave out cookies for santa claus you, yeah. you've done yeah, true you've done spirit gifting if that's what you know mm. if you've ever done so i don't true. know y'all leave out cookies there um yeah. yes yeah, yeah, yeah oh absolutely yeah. yeah uh and our carrot for the reindeer would be yeah. left out yeah. as well yeah. you know yeah. there was yeah. uh, always yeah. fights in in my house on christmas eve because my father would suggest leaving out cans <laughs> of smithix for for santa claus <laughs> like i'd say santa wants three or four cans this year and my mom be like santa has a long night ahead of him and then my dad would be like ah jesus and i'll drink and do him good so yeah that was, that was so we were gifting alcohol cookies and carrots in my house <laughs> uh, your dad was dunking the carrots in the smithies yeah i was always one was like dad why are you so tired every christmas day you know what's going on uh, um it's yeah so i mean Th- that's the gist of the sliver guys it's a spectral thing that shows up uh if you're dying if you're close to death mm. you're kind of wanting to be very careful of those people kinda, and guard them yeah kind of harrowing like it's looking to basically steal souls right like it's it's yeah. not like because you know you have i don't know that's like, when you're at your most vulnerable yeah like because you have that's the likes of the valkyrie and stuff like that who you know taking mm. the the uh, warriors off the battlefield to Valhalla and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff whereas this seems to be like a kind of a predatory soul stealer yeah. effectively mm-hmm. but it is funny because we with our because obviously tying in with the with fairies and the fae and all that a big thing in Ireland was um the changelings and the yeah. idea was that they oh, yeah. they would take your kid and you know um replace it with an exact replica but there's actually a case here we i think we discussed it in our wendigo episode because we said it was almost similar to the wendigo psychosis but there's a case in irish uh history where a man actually he killed he wound up killing his wife because he yeah was we sure. talked about that yeah yeah terrifying yeah. terrifying and and the whole thing that with the thing you put um the baby onto the end of a shovel and put it in the fire and oh, if it turned yeah. to dust it was, oh. you know, a, a fairy, uh, which yeah, again, it's not great for a baby if it's not a fairy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, terrifying <laughs> story, like really terrifying story. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a a movie that I think it came out last fall. It's uh, by an Irish director. It's called "You Are Not My Mother." Yes, oh. I haven't seen that yet, but I saw it's been popping Excellent. up on. Really? Yeah. Well, wow, I must Excellent. check it out. I mean, it's basically a changeling story. It's fantastic. It's, yeah. it's excellent. Excellent. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, aren't cuckoos kind of like that? They do the yes, changeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do the kind of changing. I wonder. Nature is like, changeling. Again, yeah, we're yeah we're getting back to the folklore a little bit, and maybe the origins. But the cuckoo was a little bastard of a bird, ain't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not like, a nice guy. He gets so for people that aren't familiar, it's the cuckoo lays the egg in another bird's nest. <laughs> then once the cuckoo hatches from the nest. It pushes and there's loads of footage just online. You can see oh. it's really sinister, really sinister little bastards. They push all the other eggs out of the nest and then are so that they get all the food. Yeah, which is pretty. And crazy, like that's right? that's its nature. Like it's born yeah. to push the other eggs out. Like there's no <laughs> empathy. Like that's such a you know when you think about the designs of nature and all this. And I think yeah. you know I I do sometimes that's a trickster design. Yeah, that. and I sometimes wonder about because there seems to be this really 
fantastic equation in nature when you when you start to remove things it can fuck up other things or whatever but like the cuckoo just seems like like is that necessary <laughs> like are we is it okay without that but it is i yeah. slip my kids in cribs other uh, people's cribs left and right and they never push, <laughs> they never push yeah they're they have good nature they i have, guess i have to raise them yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no that's it but it is it's, so they're kind of a little change thing I'm sure in mm. bird folklore the cuckoos are not uh, people like, aren't big fans uh, even of that like imagine being the first guy to see that you know just like, yeah. just like what the f- just what the, that little this bastard. chap look at this yeah. fella this <laughs> little fucking shit is this just you'd be looking at it and you're like I have to check another the, fucker but that, that would be that would be my first thought like if I saw that happening and I'm back like you know the year zero or whatever I'd just be mm. like my woman better not be having kids. You know, that would be my first thought for sure. Is this happening to me? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there was, was there was something about that I was reading with the psychology of man as well. And, oh, and, one uh, of the most frustrating things that makes a man kill, all that sort of... In, infidelity yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And, and, and basically it's because we have a really slow reproductive cycle as humans, mm-hmm. like raising another person's child um, in the male psyche is like a... A, a cardinal thing obviously we're talking in a very primal sense here we're not mm. talking about modern day scenarios or anything yeah yeah but um yeah it makes sense from a preservation thing right because you're, you're you're basically just wanting to reproduce and and you're lying and, baby. All it, yeah. and so if you're minding your tribe then there's a possible infiltrator that you don't even know about that was put there um under your nose i suppose then that is something that you would react violently to or strongly to you know yeah. Your sperm count will go up if there's if you're like if you're have your girlfriend or wife mm. and there's a bunch of dudes hanging around. Yeah. Then yeah. Your actual sperm count will go up. Yeah, I I read about that somewhere. Um yeah. yeah, it's because your genes are trying to make sure they get to the egg, right? Like your sperm yeah. is like, I want to be the one. Yeah. It's it's yeah. mad how the body just does that, like, you know? Right? Like that is that is some very primal kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Biology falls, yeah, for sure. So you know, we like poems <laughs> on Monster Fuzz, and I, I know Tim likes a poem as well. So, what was coming up doing the notes of the Slewa a lot was a lot of different people had mentioned that perhaps the Raven, of course, famous by Edgar Allan Poe, mm. um, is somehow inspired by the Slewa. And I think, you know, after reading through these notes, there are definitely some similarities when we read some of these passages here since this is um public domain we can actually read mm. the poem which is quite nice as well um but I'd yeah say, i'd say edgar Allan poe a little bit of a better poet than either you or i <laughs> Man, maybe you tim like i don't know about myself now but he was going and all like but was he that good yeah. really like um, rob's like the but... edgar Allan bro generation <laughs> <laughs> um no but what i will say about edgar is well as well doing a little bit of research on him um he is from an irish lineage mm. so i wonder now I believe it was on his father's side and I think his father was an absentee father hmm. um, the reverse cuckoo <laughs> but he um, he 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 might have um, been inspired I suppose because obviously it was his heritage Yeah, I wonder did he look into you know Irish folklore and stuff like that yeah. and maybe perhaps was well, inspired even just it. reading the first sort of paragraph here it, it there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about that seems to be popping up you know so uh, over the stuff we've said here I think you're going to find a lot of stuff that's kind of shining a light 
uh, on pieces of the poem. And you know, my introduction to this poem was guess Simon. Uh, the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, that's mine that as well. It's the what the Treehouse of Terror. Yeah. yeah, you ever seen this, Tim? I'm sure I have. I've yeah. it's the Simpsons. It's the Simpsons that era. Yeah, 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 it's the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, where basically Bart Simpson is the Raven from the Edgar Allan Poe right. story, and Homer is yeah. the one writing the story. It's brilliant. Yeah, really well done. So, Eamon, if you want to take it away, yes. So, once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow, from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore. For the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here for evermore. And the silken sad uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This is it, and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. "'Sir,' said I, "'or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore.' But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming, dreams no mortals ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token. And the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is not, that is something at my window, Lattice. Let me see then. What? Yeah, try that word. They're at. They're at. But they're at is. And this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment. And this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least. Oh, Jesus. Not the least obeisance made he, nor a minute stopped or stayed he. But, with mine of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling, my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance at war. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven. Ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering into the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on thy night's plutonium shore. Quoth thy raven, nevermore. 
Much I marveled, this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such a name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he may leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken, by reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking that this was, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But those velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy goth had lent thee by these angels he had sent thee. Respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil. Whether tempter sent, or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate, yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden if within the distant Idien it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quote the raven nevermore. Be that word or sign imparting, bird or friend, I shrieked upstarting, get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonium shore. Plutonian shore, not plutonium, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul had spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming. And the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that flies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. 
Ooh. Wow, we got through it, folks. Yeah, that guy could write. Oh, my goodness, right? Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant, doesn't it? Wow. I, I mean, geez, like, I don't know. Mm. For me, like, every now and then, I've, I've been listening to Leonard Cohen, right? And I'm just yeah, like, right. oh my gosh, can I just write one song like this? Like, <laughs> hundreds. Can I just write one? Yeah. Like, yeah. I get the same kind of feeling from this. Like, could I just write one thing like this in my life? This is amazing. Yeah. This, it, yeah. it almost seems because you know we've we've all read the Edgar Allan Poe stories when we were kids and we've all heard this thousand times but it's been years since I've actually looked, looked at, at this it. and as I was mm. reading I was like oh what this is like crafted Brilliant. so well yeah this is oh, an amazing yes. piece yeah it's wow yeah I mean yeah like you said I've, I've and I've heard it like I've listened to mm. like readings of it and stuff since then but but actually reading it out like this like yeah. wow wow what yeah. what a writer Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when yeah. I was down the notes, I was like, I'm not going to have to twist any of us spooky boys' arms to read a bit of Edgar Allan Poe on, a, on an episode <laughs> anyway, because it, it lends so well. But it does, I think it ties in with the Slewy in order. There's yeah. a few lines in there where he says that he's kind of sickly and he's lying in the bed. So I'm wondering, is it kind of insinuated that he's kind of in between ways a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's... And it's that the raven is kind even, of a transmorphing kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. And But even that that very first... Uh, or sorry, the second sentence, second line, mm. over many acquaint and curious a volume of forgotten lore. And it's almost like... Mm. It's like a little wink. It's like, if you know, you know. Mm. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. we're obviously just, you know, shining our own light on it now. Um, but it, yeah, and just that, that wrapping. And I love just that... Because it was the telltale heart as well, right? It's like... I I feel like so many of these stories are sort of there's that psychological terror. Like, did he invent psychological terror? Because this is kind of it's not horror, right? It's not. It kind of is, I suppose. I, I mean, it's a scary. But it's it's like a psychological. Well, it's like psychological. Yeah, like yeah. without saying it, it's kind of this guy is going. He's sort of slowly. He's spiraling. He's losing his wine. Super atmospheric. Yeah. yeah. Or may, maybe the genius in it is that it allows you to have various. Uh, you know, you can really read this and 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 uh, take a, many different views of it. Yeah, I believe it was one of the most popular poems of the time as well. Mm. Like when he put this poem out, it was yeah, like people lapped it up. You know, I've been to his grave. Have you? Yeah, cool. it's quite impressive. From it's the one in Westminster Hall, right? Uh, in Baltimore. In Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it looks, because I'm just looking here, reading here about his, or not reading here, but I just have stuff about his death up. But it looks, uh, it, it's really, yeah, it's really impressive uh, tome, or tomb, rather. Yeah, there was a, there's a, I, I, I think it's been resumed. It was that they would, on his uh, birthday, someone always leave a uh, bottle of cognac. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, yeah. For years and years and years, and they never knew who did it, because the guy would just show up, and he was kind of, I don't think he wore a mask, but I think he had like a coat like pulled up, you know, yeah, and, right. a, and a hat on and stuff. And and but and I think it stopped for a couple of years. And I think because this guy did it died or something. I might have this wrong, but, it, but anyway, I, I believe it's resumed. I think someone else took up the tradition, which is just a, nice. it's just a neat, mm. cool tradition. But his <clears throat> even Poe's death itself is like so mysterious. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, he actually died. October 3rd my birthday uh, 1849 so just a few years before I was born but um, just that he was you know he kept saying this name Reynolds the night before he died and then his final words were Lord help my poor soul mm-hmm. he, you know wasn't coherent enough was in dire condition but just uh, 
yeah it's kind of like it's it's almost as if he's living one of his stories you know and we're not sure yeah, what's going seen, on he seemed to be a pretty tortured soul yes really. yes yeah. i think i think that um, a lot of alcoholism and stuff as well right yeah so he had the quals the raven nevermore on his headstone then tim right is that am i saying that right on google oh, here trying to remember i think I, there's one picture of it here but it seems it appears like it's like has it changed there there must be another spot for him as well i think i think there's two spots for him it um, could be. but w- one of them one of them looks kind of like it's got like a a big plate with his head on it yeah that's the one i'm looking the, at yeah yeah and then there's another one with the the bottle of cognac which has the raven actually on top of it and maybe it's in the same place even maybe it changed over the years but apparently tim you were saying there the the the, the ritual was broken um on his birthday one year a, a mysterious visitor who each year leaves roses and cognac at the grave of Edgar Allan Poe mm. on the writer's birthday failed the show on Tuesday I'm trying to find what year this article is from but it's actually not dated which is kind okay, of annoying yeah. yeah if I'm remembering correctly I'm like 10-15 years ago somewhere in that in that range right right yeah, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, do think it's resumed yeah but it's yeah. funny yeah. no it's a badass it's a badass poem and, and I, again just even reading it again when I was doing these notes I was like yeah mm. I think that'd be cool I think it's, yeah it's just so to fun. your point especially after I can imagine because we, we've read the notes or whatever but when you're researching obviously your your foot's a little deeper in the water so yeah. I'd say when you like, kind of read the poem <laughs> after doing the notes it's kind of yeah. like oh yeah, yeah like it's it's a bit more uh, a bit more uh, weight to it right it gives it a more of an option like I mean of course it could literally be just that you know it could literally be the raven and he doesn't mean much by mm. the image of the raven it's just sort of a vehicle for a story but it you know I think it's when you when you hear about the folklore and, mm. and, and the things maybe and as well he was a creative dude obviously so and generally those type of people are inspired by works from the past so you'd wonder yeah had he heard of the slua and said yeah, this would be you know just kind of maybe it got the wheels turning a little bit you know right. what I mean yeah. yeah and this is it like without him you know you don't have a, you don't have H.P. Lovecraft who apparently was right. like super heavily influenced and even uh, Arthur Conan Doyle um, mm. uh, yeah yeah for detective <laughs> you know you're uh, you know who I'm talking Sherlock about Holmes. Sherlock yeah um, so yeah I mean it's a, he's like one of the 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 kernels from where all that stuff came from and then without hp lovecraft you don't get stephen king without stephen king and it goes on and on and on you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 no it was it was a good read right so we'll wrap this one up here folks i think but the good news is you know it's always a, a pleasure with him oh, i think yeah. tim we're going to try and do something for halloween right we'll get something out let's do it yeah, yeah let's e- do even it. if um, we're just like trading ghost stories like we'll sit yeah, in the dark good. like that you know just uh mm-hmm. Because I, I love I love uh, like Tim here in your ghost stories are some of the ones that Rob has told, you know, mm. or even people that we know because the the I don't know the legit the legitimacy of it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. always nice yeah, to hear yeah. that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll work something mm. out. Tim, have you got anything you'd like to plug? Um, oh, just to our find, listeners? Me, find me at strangefamiliars.com. All, my, all yeah. my stuff is there. Yeah, cool, cool. And likewise, if you're a Tim listener or a Masterfuls podcast, uh, don't expect anything too serious when you come over. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I think sometimes listeners of other podcasts, because when we go like, you know, because 
sometimes I think when we're talking about a folkloric topic or on our when it's just the two of us because we're so close we'll spend so long just arsing around and we won't actually talk about the topic because it's literally like friends talking mm. you know but then when we have someone like yourself Tim that comes on and you know folklore and all that type of stuff is your thing it's like we get to really talk about it in depth really enjoy and like, it. yeah yeah, yeah cool like, awesome. let's get into it so we to, uh, i know so. we we share some patrons i know uh um, yeah 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 yep Super we do we do yeah, we do we have awesome. some mutual enjoyers uh so yeah guys let's get out of here folks thanks for listening over and out So we're talking about creepy winged things, mm-hmm. the slua, the raven, all that. I didn't have any raven stereo views. Mm-hmm. And we sold through most of our owl stereo views, but, but we did have this one that's like, it's an owl stereo view, but it's also like another picture in it. It says it's, it's the Keystone Eye Comfort and Depth Perception series. Yeah, it's probably something to do with gauging um, nearsighted or farsightedness, right? Yeah, or else, I don't know. I don't know because you don't. You didn't really adjust the stereo views, the uh, the stereo viewers. They just kind kind of came as they were, right? But you can kind of move the thing back and forth. Maybe it was for that for using a stereo viewer to give an eye test. Yeah, or to adjust the stereo viewer into the right focus or something. Yeah, yeah. For the development of comfortable vision and high degree of depth perception. Anyway, one of the two pictures on this (laughs) is an owl, but I thought, well, since it's little, let's let's give another bird as well another a creature stereo double feature exactly so we have this later stereo view of a march hawk and we'll put them both together be images of these in the show notes at strangefamiliars.com if you click on those it'll take you to our etsy shop where you can purchase these as well as other curiosities of the week we have other old photographs up there mm-hmm. that allison has put up there from her immense collection of antique photography. Got my artwork up there, prints and originals, copies of my books, Strange Familiars t-shirts, and more. Check it out. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have the -the glow-in-the-dark Strange Familiars shirts for Scranton, but they are on the way. So they will be the same design as the traditional Awoken tree in blue, but they'll be glow in the dark. It's a good time of the year to get that as the seasons change and it gets darker. Yeah, I figured as we've been doing glow in the dark stuff for curiosities and uranium glass and other glow in the dark stuff, I wanted to do a glow in the dark patch, but mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe we could do a glow in the dark t shirt. So sure enough, we're doing the Awoken tree glow in the dark. So keep an eye out for those. Those will be soon. Those are limited, not so limited as the High Strangeness Tour shirts, which we're not going to print again. The glow-in-the-dark ones, if they are popular enough, we will do a second print run of those. But we'll see. They have to have to prove themselves popular. If not, this the is... chopping the, block they are. This, this may be the one and only time we have glow-in-the-dark shirts, so don't sleep on them. I mean, <laughs> unless you want to buy them to sleep, you can sleep on them. Yeah, you could literally sleep you, on them. Once you bought them, that's up to you. Unless they keep you up at night because the light's on. Exactly. Maybe use them as a nightlight. Yeah. I feel like there's something else I was supposed to announce, but I'm forgetting it because we are completely off schedule, dropping a show on a Monday. Yeah. But that's okay. We'll still be back soon with more Strange Familiars. 
We live our entire lives knowing that death awaits us. Many believe that some part of us endures. Eyewitnesses swear to have seen spirits of the dead haunting the living and even appearing during alien abductions. Is the UFO mystery reaching out to us from beyond the stars or from beyond the grave? This staggering implication demands not only scrutiny of the UFO phenomenon, but near-death experiences, ancient monuments, ley lines, the fey folk, cryptids, and more. I'm Joshua Cutchin. I'd like to invite you into the Ecology of Souls, a new mythology of death and the paranormal, a comprehensive theory of all things supernatural framed through the lens of our final transition. Join me as we journey from the depths of prehistory to the present, from the outer space of the cosmos to the inner space of the self. Ecology of Souls, Volumes 1 and 2, now available from Amazon in print and as a combined ebook. Welcome to the Ecology of Souls. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Steve Berg, Micah Hanks, John Tinney, Adam Gorightly, Tim Banal, Christopher Ernst, Samantha Engel, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Melody Blackthorne, Dr. Future, Soraya Askath, Timothy Ritter, Aaron Gullius, Delaney Bowers, Olaf Phillips, and David Metcalf. With workshops by Kiki Dombrowski, Ren Collier, and Michael Hughes. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by... Stonebreath. <laughs> You're correct, Allison. Now, where can they find it? If they want to purchase music or... They just DM you and you more. just send it out to them. <laughs> Stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Bandcamp has a fabulous service. Fabulous. Great for bands. At some point, I will be having audiobooks on Bandcamp as well. It just takes a long time to record audiobooks. But I'll be getting my books. Well, if you care about how it sounds. <laughs> Otherwise, I could probably do it tonight. There'd be a wealth of mistakes, and I'd probably be like, we don't need this part. <laughs> true enough. True enough. But yeah, well, I mean, we have the audiobook of The Witch Cloud up there. But I plan to add my other books as well. And once I can get around to recording and editing the audio, Strange Familiars is also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Strange Familiars. You can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We're on Instagram, at Strange Familiars. One word, no underscore or anything like that. Just at Strange Familiars. Give us a follow. And you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.